Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. And just want to give a quick update before we jump into the episode. Uh, just want to let you guys know that we will begin, as of uh, this podcast episode, taking a break for about a month. So we'll jump back into the podcast in mid-January, hoping to have some key leaders in the SBC on uh, to talk about the most pressing things in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but we will take about a month off uh, from podcast and uh, and then jump back in in mid-January. Uh, we're so thankful for you listening. Hope you'll have a great uh, Christmas and holidays with family and in your church. And uh, always feel free to reach out, babbis21 at gmail.com. Let us know things you might want to hear about, people you might think we should interview. Uh, always want to hear from you. So thankful for you listening uh, and uh, spread the word about the podcast. Uh, today on the podcast, you will hear from Scott Pace. Scott Pace serves uh, at Southeastern Seminary, and he's recently wrote a book on calling. And so we're going to have some conversation around that, a very uh, a fruitful and helpful conversation uh, for people who are thinking through uh, maybe full-time vocational ministry. And so uh, we definitely appreciate you listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. And I have with me today, uh, Scott Pace. Scott is an author. Scott is a professor. Scott is a administrator at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, yeah, Scott Scott's just a guy I've gotten to know over the past couple of years. Uh, again, he is an author, talks a lot about preaching, but has a new book coming out called Calling Out the Called. So we want to talk about things around uh, calling, we want to talk about things around pastoral ministry, equipping for those kind of roles. So Scott, thanks for being on the podcast. Man, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you wear a lot of hats, so uh, just thankful to get to know you a little bit on the podcast. So first thing I want to do is just get to know you. So tell us just how you kind of came to know the Lord, where you're from, and then even how you felt a call to vocational ministry. Yeah, I grew up in North Carolina, so I'm from the coast down in Wilmington. I'm a beach boy, uh, so to speak. Moved up to Raleigh to go to NC State. Uh, ended up with my undergrad from there in accounting um, and worked for a couple years. And God called me into ministry through my active involvement in local church, was involved here in the Raleigh area in a local church serving mm-hmm. and uh, leading. God called me into vocational ministry, sold everything I owned, quit my job, went to seminary at Southeastern. Did you really? Uh, yeah. And then um, ended up on staff at a church. And for the next six and a half years, finished my MDiv and then PhD. God called us to Florida, pastor down there. And we're in Oklahoma for um, yeah almost 10 years teaching at a university and pastoring. And then God called us back, uh, you know, almost almost five years ago now. Oh. And you do a lot at Southeastern, but primarily you dean uh, over dean the, of the college. college. Yeah, yeah, dean of the college, the teach, you know, in, yeah. in every sector of our... I know you just a little bit, so how in the world did a guy who went to NC State become a Duke fan? <laughs> it's actually the opposite. How in the world did a Duke fan go <laughs> uh, to NC State? That's what happened. One okay. preceded the other. Yeah, I grew okay. up, uh, you know, in the mid-80s to early 90s. Dude, that was that was it. Duke was basketball, and so yeah. I became that, but I wasn't smart enough or rich enough to go to Duke, and so ended up smart enough, rich enough. Good. So, some fun questions we'd like to ask everybody who kind of comes on for the first time. So, I'm going to ask you. We think kind of family feud answer as quick yeah. as you can. So, first question would be favorite book that's not the Bible. Oh gosh, uh, I would have <laughs> xed out. Steve Harvey would have laughed at me because uh, <laughs> man, I, uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I just have to say one of my own. Would that sound terrible and totally egotistical? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, no, I mean, I was shaped by some of the books that you guys would understand. Um, you know, Knowledge of the Holy mm. or, you know, Knowing God, by Packer. You know, some yeah. of those books were formative. Good. So I'd probably land on one of those. That's you came a believer at a young age? Yeah, I was a believer yeah. at the age of seven, okay. but it was in that college years that God really kind of reshaped Huge. things for me. Yeah. All right, uh, maybe easier question. Favorite athlete of all time? Uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. The that's goat. three straight guests who have said Michael Jordan, so that's awesome. Now, favorite Duke player of all time? Um, I, Gosh, Jay Williams yeah. um, would be would be up there. Uh, J.J. Reddick would be up there. Um been some good ones. Yeah, I wouldn't even go towards the Hurley Leitner kind of side of things. Yeah. But Grant Hill would also be oh, at the yeah. top of the list. I think he, as a guy who can't stand the Duke Blue right. Devils, I love I love Grant Hill. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so did you start uh, preaching at an early age? I didn't. Okay. Yeah, it really was through active involvement in a local church, mm. uh, kind of leading a small group, yeah. being an outreach um, coordinator for you know the ministry I was involved in, um, just kind of opened up opportunities and. Uh, one thing just kind of led to another. Do you, did you do you remember the first time you preached on a Sunday morning? Yes, I do. Okay, how how old were you? Um, I would have been twenty four. Twenty four. Do yep. you remember the text? Uh, I do. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was kind of the um, call to follow Christ in Matthew sixteen. Okay, you know, come so follow it was, me. You would call it an exposition. Oh yeah, I okay. Because I, I was in my first semester at, at Southeastern Seminary, so okay. I was definitely kind of yeah. taking that that approach that's already. Great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And actually, expositional preaching is what. Uh, kind of turned my ministry or my life around. Yeah, uh, I sat under expositor for the first time in college, and all of a sudden, God warmed my heart in a way that never had been for the scriptures, love for mm-hmm. Him, passion. So, um, I didn't know anything else in terms of just healthy Bible right. teaching. Exposition was the model. That's fantastic. And now you've written some books on preaching. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this new book, and even really more just the topics that go along with it. Um, the, again, the book is called "Calling Out the Called." Uh, Dr. Pace and then Shane Pruitt have, have put that together. We'll talk some about that. But I, I want to start just kind of with a big question. You obviously write, write a book on calling. What kind of like there's controversy around calling sure. and sometimes felt like there was an overemphasis on that as opposed to maybe even just the, this desire you see in First Timothy 3. But when you talk about calling, uh, and I know we talked about this a little off, off air, you kind of have two different things in mind. Talk about when you talk about just a general idea of calling, what are you talking about? Yeah, universal calling that, that um, God calls his covenant people to follow Christ and uh, fulfill the mission, right? Mm-hmm. We're all called to serve Christ, fulfill the Great Commission. That's true for every believer, no matter what their career context is. Um, and so that's the universal calling. Then the other side of that is the what we might call a unique calling, which is what is the individual call on your life? And how does that differ from someone else's? And that unique calling uh, leaves room for a lot of different uh, individual contexts and giftedness and those types of things. And then that's where you see within the unique calling, uh, maybe a separation of a call to vocational ministry um, and um, recognizing that. Is this book mainly geared towards those who feel a call to to vocational ministry? It is. It is. It's designed to kind of help those who are mentoring and and, uh, ministering to call out the call and inviting people to consider, is God calling you to vocational ministry service? And then... If God is calling you that, how do you disciple? What do you need to do? Sure. Some of that's, again, universal. Discipleship is true yeah. for all Everybody, believers in yeah. a different sense. Yeah. But in other ways, um, how can you uniquely prepare for ministry leadership? What are the challenges you're going to face? We want people to go into ministry leadership wide open, eyes wide yeah. open, what they're going to be facing. So if a young person comes to you, and again, you get a chance to lead uh, an institution that's going to be equipping young people. So when if a young person comes to you and says, I'm, I'm thinking about ministry, I'm 
I don't know if I'm called or not. How do you help them assess and think through what that actually is? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to improve on Spurgeon's model when you start looking at the internal kind of driving desires, the external giftedness, when you talk about in community, what the mm. church around you and how those things are formed, and then opportunity that God provides. And those really, those four things really do blend together right. to kind of give you a, a deeper understanding. But exploring your gifts and beginning to kind of exercise your gifts um, helps you really understand. Yeah. Uh, I think this is how I'm wired. I think this is what God's calling me to. So some of it's experiential in that way, too. Right. And that's where the local body is so essential. Yeah. Um, internal so. desire, in, internal desire, kind of external confirmation. Mm-hmm. How's the Lord equipping you, gifting you? Yeah, I would just commend young young people to, to one, definitely express your desires uh, so that you aspire to this offer, office, you aspire to a good thing, desire a noble task, uh, Paul says to Timothy. Uh, but also do, I would say, I would commend, do it in a humble way. Uh, let people <laughs> around you speak into your life. Yeah. So, uh, I think sometimes, sometimes, yeah, yeah, those things can actually come out of order. For me, it came in a different sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, in Galatians one, Paul talks about kind of that internal God right. set me apart. Then he went into Arabia, began to exercise his gifts, kind of mm-hmm. with the Gentiles, and then he came back to kind of more of the public ministry uh, there among the Jews that, that didn't recognize him. And my and that was kind of a public affirmation. Mine happened more in reverse. Mm-hmm. There was more of a public affirmation through just active involvement in the local church. Then more of a private affirmation where a mentor was kind of, and you ought to consider this, let's pray yeah. about this. And then where ultimately the personal affirmation internally came. So that sequence isn't necessarily essential, but all three of those elements are yeah. personal, private, and public affirmation. Good. Yeah. That's helpful. Uh, shifting to like trying to encourage pastors who are listening to this, you know, one of the things that, and, and maybe this would be a two-part question, maybe I wasn't even thinking about in this terms, but it. I've heard some people say recently there seems to be a crisis when it comes to the amount of young men desiring to go into pastoral ministry. So two two parts of that question, do you agree to that? Why do you think that is? And then the second part, kind of the idea of calling out the called, how how would you encourage pastors to go about being more intentional in asking guys, hey, have you ever considered whether you would give your life to this kind of work? So maybe sure. a two-part question. There. Yeah, the first part, it absolutely is true. There's a huge uh, absence right now. In fact, in, in the book, some of the statistics we quote, there's more senior pastors over the age of 65 right now than there are under the age of 40. Let that sink in. Uh, that's a really scary kind of future outlook as to where the next generation of leaders come, are, are going to come from. Uh, and so when you look at that, uh, there really is this, this need. I think we saw it begin a, a few years ago when we recognized there's um, a lack of like even uh, available student leaders and pastors, which became the the short track into senior pastor leadership, and rightfully so. Some people don't like that kind of stepping stone, but in many ways, a student pastor is a, a smaller version, a microcosm of senior pastor leadership in terms of roles and responsibilities. So it's natural for that. But that um, kind of shortage in that pipeline should have been maybe an early indicator that we were going to begin to face this in the senior pastor pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that's where we really have begun to see some of that is probably as a result of our right focus when we shifted the pendulum a couple of maybe even decades ago in the last 10 to 20 years, focusing on every member ministry, every member on mission, which again is right, it's biblical, it's the universal calling for all believers. Uh, but we did so at the expense of calling to vocational ministry. It just fell off the radar and our effort to kind of erase the line between what was a perceived varsity, spiritual varsity and JV team, like, hey, everybody... That's actually right and true, um, but we can't remove the category of, man, is God calling you to vocational ministry? And I think to try and get healthy, we just swung the pendulum 
too far the expense of that. So mm-hmm. second part of the question then, what can we do to kind of right the ship is to really begin to, to emphasize that. There's a few things I think senior pastors or leaders can do. You know, we talk about our conversion testimony a lot. We should talk more about our calling mm-hmm. testimony. Do we talk about when God called us to actually give people an idea and understanding to say, that's actually some of what I've been sensing. Maybe they can resonate with it uh, just like you would somebody you were sharing your faith with as it relates to the next steps of God's leading in their life. Being intentional to actually include that as a point of application. Um, it's not that you're more committed as a Christian if you go into vocational ministry, but considering that objectively, is God calling me uh, into that? And so I think those are some ways that to help make it a, a, a part of the conversation. And then the other piece is giving people the opportunity to serve exercise their giftedness, recognize those things. A lot of times uh, in the last decade or more, we've gotten into real uh, heavy into elevating leaders and putting them on a platform uh, to where leaders don't want to delegate anymore. They want to be the celebrity, the sage on the stage. And we're not giving opportunities for other people to kind of grow into their ministry giftedness. uh, Then we're kind of short-circuiting God's plan for them. So giving people the opportunity to lead um, and serve in those capacities, I think, can also open the door for people to recognize and discern their calling. Let me ask follow-up questions on both of those you put put out because I think um, just things that kind of piqued my interest. Number yeah. one, so some of the guys when we've had this conversation about the kind of crisis in amount of men going into pastoral ministry, there's been hypothesis on why. Yeah. Um, and so maybe if, if you've seen this and how to best encourage and, and instruct, and this one seems to be, well, twofold, one seems to be connected to just the prevalence and the the pattern of pornography in the life of young men. Uh, and then the other maybe is not, you know, sin in the same way, obviously we'd say pornography is, but this idea of the celebrity pastor that's podcast everywhere. And this kind of thought of like, I can't be like that. So I probably shouldn't go into to, to being a teaching lead teaching pastor. Can you speak to both of those topics? Yeah, I'll take them in reverse. Sure. Um, I do think we, we've elevated people to a platform that makes things seem unattainable. Um, when we've celebrated really the celebrity rather than uh, the calling. And, um, you know, a lot of times it is the larger churches or the, the more the influence on social media and various things. Uh, but in reality, God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's cho- chosen those who consider your calling, right? Mm-hmm. In First Corinthians 1, not many of you were noble or mm-hmm. um, wealthy or, or wise in the ways of the world. And it was those instruments that God was able to actually use uh, to get more glory for himself. And so uh, I think it's about helping people be realistic about what the calling looks like, what it's to. I think the other part of the disenchanted aspect of the celebrity pastor has been we've seen so many of them fall. Uh, and when you topple that with sometimes the way we speak about our own calling, it's kind of with a discouraged, down in the mouth kind of, man, ministry's so hard and ministry's overwhelming. And I'm, you know, it's such a real struggle. And we want to be honest about those things. But we paint a negative picture that why would anybody ever aspire to that, mm. to use that word mm. you mentioned for First Timothy 3, but why would anybody aspire to what we're painting and portraying to be such a drudge? Mm. Um, uh, and so I, I think all of those have contributed to to it, and so people don't feel worthy, if you will, to aspire to that. Mm. I think that would be the second part of, um, uh, of the question as it relates to the, the sin of pornography and, and others feeling unworthy. And there is a, an element where the office is set apart. There's uh, to be above reproach. There's an honor that's meant to be distinguished. Um, but none of us are qualified in and of ourselves. It's all through the righteousness of Christ and God's grace. 
Um, and I think that's what Paul emphasized to Timothy over and over, that he was the chief sinner, and yet God had seen fit because of his mercy and grace to appoint him uh, to that role. And so sometimes we, we do them a disservice by reinforcing a works-based mentality of sanctification that positions them to think, I can't, I'm disqualified, or I can't be used by God in that. Yeah, it's helpful. Again, as I was talking to some of these brothers, I, th- I do think you said it, you went more in depth than we even kind of identified, but this is a, this is a privilege to mm. shepherd God's mm-hmm. people. It's, and it's, and it, there's joys, real yeah. joys. It is weighty. Right. There's a sure. gravity to the, to the office, uh, but there's a lot of joy. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think that's a helpful word trying to paint a picture of like, this is weighty, but yet it's a privilege to shepherd God's people. Uh, and, it, and he even uses in Ephesians four, this like you're a gift yeah. to, to the people of God. If you can uh, obviously whip them, to be mature in the faith. And so I think that's a helpful, um, helpful category. The calling to to ministry like that, particularly pastoral ministry is what I describe as a high, holy and humble calling. Mm. If you aspire to it, elevates it as, man, this is a high task. What you were talking about, the weight and responsibility, holy, we have to be set apart. And there's a sanctified purpose for those vessels who are useful to the master. But that just brings it to a humble calling. Like, wow, God, you could even use me. Almost like John's reflection on the disciple whom Jesus loved you could love or use even me that way like i can't even believe that you could do that and so there is that privilege uh that that gives great joy and fulfillment okay so now you've talked to somebody who is like hey i i feel this both internal desire i feel this external confirmation well you know what what should what should i do next so yeah how do you um yeah i always think of position yourself to to exercise those gifts when you begin to somebody call comes to me and says hey i think i'm called to missions well go on a mission trip you know if uh, those are the first steps you should do. I think you should also uh, seek some godly counsel from others who are serving in those similar capacities. If, if you know somebody who has a call that's similar to what you're discerning, uh, you would talk to them. What what does it look like? What does it involve? What does it require? What have you learned along the way? What do you wish you knew 20 years before type of thing? There's a lot of wisdom to be gained uh, from that. And then what are the next steps? Uh, you know, God's will for our lives is uh, a direction more so than a destination. We're heading in that direction. What are we doing along the way? We're in God's will. We're not only putting God's will out there as a future thing. And so what do I need to be doing now to prepare spiritually, uh, in terms of the development of my own gifts as well, so character, gifts, um, and then uh, continuing to develop some of the things that we talk about in the book, some practical parts of like your financial approach. How are you going to manage your finances? How are you going to manage your, um, your family, balancing family and ministry, trying to really get equipped with some of those real-life what we've seen to be uh, hurdles and maybe even stumbling blocks for so many people in ministry, how do, how do you equip them on the front end? Good. Okay, so kind of final question, but two parts again. So given kind of what you talked about as far as calling, this kind of general call is the call of every Christian, and then this specific unique call to pastoral ministry. Uh, one big picture, how are y'all equipping people, or how do you think pastors should equip people in the large sense, and then how is the College at Southeastern specifically trying to equip for both those callings? Yeah. So in a large sense, I think uh, we as pastors have a responsibility to be helping people understand their vocation as calling. So whatever capacity God's called you to serve in, vocationally speaking, um, that you should be leveraging that for the mission. And that needs to be constantly put before our people that they know that's that's how I'm thinking about my career, my work. It's not just a paycheck. It's not just something I enjoy, but it's actually what God intends for me to be leveraged as well. Uh, and then when you look at the college at Southeastern, we're trying to approach both of those as well. Uh, the degree offerings, if you just kind of categorize them, I, I kind of put them into ministry, missions, and marketplace degrees. Mm. 
and the ministry and missions degrees would kind of fall into those traditional categories of vocational ministry calling. Uh, but the marketplace degrees would fall into that vocation as calling concept and providing some degrees that'll uh, really mobilize students and graduates, no matter what their career path uh, ends up being to go fulfill that mission. Good. Specific uh, kind of Baptist Wing one is typically the li- listeners are going to be more pastors or those aspiring to pastors. Uh, just think through young guy getting ready to become a pastor, even just considering all the things we've said about the crisis that mm-hmm. may be there. What are just the competencies? You know, you've also co-written a book with my dad on the pastoral epistles, but just some competencies and things you think they need to be thinking through as they try to become equipped so that they can be useful uh, in, in that in that labor. Yeah, the start's got to be uh, character formation and then really kind of the, I'll say indoctrination, that's going to be a misused <laughs> or misunderstood word, but yeah. what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Let me become extremely familiar and well-versed in the scriptures. My mentor uh, taught me years ago, um, the more scripture you know, the better equipped you'll be, not only in your personal life, but also to minister and serve uh, others. That would definitely be uh, kind of high up on that list. And then Trying to pursue um, the equipping education-wise, depending on where they are in their pathway, but assuming that someone who's still aspiring to college and what that looks like, what degree paths are going to help them uh, ultimately fulfill that calling, and going ahead and beginning now, um, kind of working in that direction. So really, I kind of categorize it this way. Purify yourself. You need to deal with kind of your own personal kind of walk issues. Uh, Prepare yourself. Whatever God called you to do, um, you need to be doing that uh, now, and then position yourself. Uh, to be used by God and to be in a community of faith that's going to sharpen you, grow you, and give you the opportunity to serve according to your giftedness. You can tell you're a preaching prof because you, you alliterate everything, <laughs> so it's good. It's, I think t- alliteration, it's a yeah, curse. Exactly. <laughs> I think Dr. Merritt, James Merritt, thinks in alliteration, right. too. So, uh, Well, Doc, thanks so much. The book is out now, so Calling Out the Call, Discipling Those Called to Ministry Leadership, and then uh, just thanks for helping us think through this. I, this has been a burden in a conversation that we've been having recently and so we just love for pastors to think through how can we just really push, like, again, we're not going to force any of these kind of things, but how can we just on keep on the forefront of young men in our uh, congregations? Hey, this might be a worthy thing for you to mm-hmm. give your life to. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you consider it? And just the privilege it is. So uh, thankful for the book. Thankful for time with you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. And I hope the book's a helpful resource. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Wing One podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.